Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. Hello, I'm live. I believe I have every reason to believe I'm live and direct here. 12th of January, we made it to the 12th, guys. So we are not doing too badly. And, um, you know, nearly halfway through january are we nearly 12 24 mm, yeah we're nearly nearly halfway through january so come on you know it's uh it's going well it's going well i currently on my uh wi-fi have one tiny little dot you know it's got like that sort of ray it's got one little dot so with that probably means my wi-fi is not very good so hopefully this will all work um you'd have thought someone of my standing would have a um good wi-fi wouldn't you I would have thought so too, but uh, it just shows you how wrong you can be. So um, let's see how we... If you've got any questions, and I'll tell you something that's happened on Instagram. People, I say people, people plural, two people have asked a question on the lie, you know, on the story where it says ask a question. And they're both the same question. Look at that, I can access them at the touch of a button like that. Look at that. I know exactly where they are now, so I can access them. So if you have got any questions, I think I don't think you can use it now. Well, I don't know, maybe you can actually. No, I think you can actually still use it now. But anyway, um, I am going to address that question slash questions right now because the question is, oh god, I pressed the wrong button. It's basically, are we surgery? Is plastic surgery taking place during lockdown? That's question one. Are your operations still currently going ahead? Question two. So look at that. Two questions on. The, the Instagram, you know, post on stories. So how's that going? Now, just for the viewers on Facebook, is that really annoying, that thing going along the bottom? Um, a rhetorical question, I'm taking it off anyway. So um, so basically, are surgery, is surgery going ahead? A lot of people are asking this question about, is surgery going ahead during lockdown? And the answer that I give is prefaced by the fact that I am giving my best knowledge as of this moment in time. Um, so, or at 12th of January, and I haven't looked at the news recently, so it might have changed. We're planning the playing. The first thing I'm going to say is that if you've had surgery, if you're a patient of mine or if you're a patient of ours, and you have had surgery or, or you have a clinical problem and a clinical need, we will see you, I will see you, you know, we can see you at the clinic uh, if you have something to say. And to be honest with you, that's always been the case. That was the case even during the first lockdown. If you had any problems, you were allowed to go to seek medical help. And I think there was a bit of a um feeling that some people felt they couldn't seek medical help and therefore the um 
the, the uh, hospitals, you know, think things were not get, things were getting missed, and and that wasn't good. So uh, this uh, want to stress that if you do have a medical need, then you you definitely can come to the clinic. Now that then brings us on to because we are able to see people at the clinic. The clinic is open. I am able to see people uh, and treat people with a medical need. Said that if you. Oh, sound keeps cutting out. Oh, it's the one. Um, is it Wyatt? Wyatt Louise? It's the Wi-Fi. It's the Wi-Fi. It's got one bar. You know what? I've got another Wi-Fi on it with all the bars, and I've and I've clicked on that one, and it's not going to it. I think it's something. It's something to do with the Wi-Fi under there. Well, I think it is. Is it the Wi-Fi or is it the microphone? Microphone. My, hello, hello, 2212. That's got dots going up. Sound isn't the best. Do you know what I can do? Switch microphones. 2-1, switch microphones. Microphone 2. <laughs> microphone 2. I know it's working fine on Instagram. Instagram is on my phone. Facebook's on my computer. Fancy. Facebook's got all sorts. Look, look what I can do on Facebook. I can do stuff on Facebook. Background. Look at that. I can get a background on Facebook. Actually, perhaps I shouldn't do that because that's probably going to make things worse. Apply the background. Is that applied? Anyway. Um, you heard me. I've got two microphones set up. So there's a second microphone, and we are on microphone two now, I believe. Yeah, which is this one? Microphone two and two and two, two and two testing. I mean, this current microphone has got suspension. If you're going over bumpy ground, it's got suspension. It's got the lot. So hopefully this will be okay. Is that all right? How's that? Anyway. Instagram's all right, isn't it? Instagram's got no microphones whatsoever. Instagram's just the phone. Sometimes I wonder the technology they can get into a phone. How come they can't get it onto a... Oh, my suspension's not all hooked up. That's the rubbish one, says Khan. Sorry, Khan. Can I... Excuse me. What's the rubbish... How very dare you? That is top of the line, Khan. It's got a little green light. Can you, see, can you see a little green light? It's got a little green light in there. Honestly, it's top of the tree. It's got a, got a stand for it, can't. Honestly. That one's good. Mic 2 is rubbish. This is mic 2, Sarah. This is mic 2. I'm on mic 2. 2 and 2. Sorry, Instagram. Bear with me. We're getting, we're getting mic issues on uh, Facebook. This is mic 2. So is this one any good? Mike two, Mike two. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Little brown fox jumps over the whatever you know, whatever that thing you say. Actually, that's typing, isn't it? Anyway, I'm gonna go on Mike two. If Mike two's bad, by all means, chip in, and I'll go back to Mike one. If Mike one's bad, what else have I got? You know what's good? Those little earphones. I don't know if you can plug them into the uh, into the computer. Those little, you know, those little ones you get with the phone. Anyway. Um, Actually, you can't now because they've got the funny connection. Oh, dear, oh, dear. I need to get my IT team involved. Um, 
Mike two is great, says Sarah. Khan says it's okay. All right, I'll I'll, I'll take okay. I'll take that. Um, right. Well, we're talking about whether we can do the um, how do get it? whether we can do surgery. So yes, if you've got a clinical need, if you've got a problem, by all means, we're definitely open. We'll definitely see you. We'll definitely treat you. No problem at all. It, having said that, we are encouraging people to do things virtually. So we've set up all the diary is all set up so we can book you in for a virtual appointment and then you get a link where that leads you to a video like this. <laughs> same same cutting edge technology is used in the video consultations. Yeah, cutting out sound and, you know, dodgy microphones. Um, so, yeah, so we, we can do a virtual um, consultations and we're encouraging people to do virtual consultations as much as possible if you can't if you need to be examined if you need to be treated so if you've got a mole or a cyst or something like that then we are still doing it in the um you know we're told if you can't work from home if you can work from home do but obviously for examinations and the treatments i can't work from home because as it stands um elective surgery planned surgery is still going ahead so uh, i can see you in the clinic uh, for a consultation to examine you or uh, if you need a treatment like a mole or a cyst or a, you know skin lesion removed i can do it and also we are still operating so i did an operating list yesterday so operating lists are still going ahead now they are few and far between because the majority of hospitals have been taken over by the nhs and however there is some uh, scope and there is some availability within some private hospitals to still do some work. So work as of this point in time, to the best of my knowledge, is still going ahead. Uh, it's really hard to be too reassuring because if elective surgery stops, if planned surgery stops, then obviously we'll have to stop. Although, as I say, if you have got a problem, we'll still see and treat you. But, um, it, you know, and I've got to be honest, it doesn't look good does it let's be honest with ourselves the news um is never good and it uh is not looking great and speaking to the my colleagues in the nhs it's just bad and so it may be that we will um stop planned surgery but at the point in time we are still doing planned surgery having said that we're trying to do less sort of smaller operations in terms of we don't want to do the really big ops, the really big ops, anything that could potentially put stress on the NHS that could potentially require an inter-hospital transfer into the NHS or um, is going to be a bad thing. And also the thing about the big ops is there is some evidence to suggest that if you have surgery and go on to have COVID after surgery, you're going to get a worse outcome. And that's more of a risk with the bigger ops and people with more co comorbidities. So we're trying to avoid doing bigger operations. We're trying to avoid treating people with comorbidities. What I mean by comorbidities is other problems, other medical illnesses or problems. Although, to be honest with you, we don't treat many people with comorbidities uh, anyway. Um, but as much i mean we were but it's just most people are fit and healthy having this sort of surgery so yes in answer to the question yes everything is going ahead at this point in time uh, but we are monitoring the situation regularly and we are very um aware that if things don't start getting better soon it may be that all surgery will be stopped but at the moment we are still doing minor surgery at the, ho at the clinic and we are still doing uh, bigger operations at the hospitals albeit 
significantly less than normal simply because of availability of hospital space. So there's much less hospital space now than there used to be. And uh, that's been the case for quite some time. So uh, when hospitals do have some space, we do um, take it and we will we will um, treat you. So obviously there's um, yeah, so there is there is availability, uh, some availability, but yeah. So as of now, yes is the answer. We're seeing and treating people. Uh, I saw a question from Danny up here ages ago when I was messing about with microphone. Do you still carry out surgeries yourself? Yes, I do, Danny. Um, I do carry out surgeries myself. I stopped for about eight months. <sighs> Crikey, when was that? God, last year. Just seeing. I would have said last year, but it wasn't last year, was it? It must have been the year before. Um, uh, to build the business and I uh, have built the business. The problem is, uh, or the problem I've got is uh, the, the waiting list was getting crazy. And my business is based on giving a good service to people. I thought to myself, I'm not giving a very good service here because everyone's waiting for a long time. And um, it wasn't, it, you know, so the waiting list was getting longer and longer. So I thought, so I started again now. Um, I do, we've got other surgeons at the clinic and we work together. So there are more of us. My my goal and my plan has always been to have other surgeons working with me at the clinic because I've always been about delivering a really high quality service. And you, I believe you can't deliver a high quality service and a high volume service. You can't. And one of the risks I find or I'm aware of in other practices is as people get busier, they start to give a worse service because they get busier and they can't spend so much time with patients and they're rushing in and out of clinics. And, you know, yeah, that's right. Whereas I like to have a bit of a chat and a bit of time. So I thought if I'm going to scale my business, I have to uh, get other like minded surgeons working with me and building up a, a team where we all feel the same way and look after people and you know, all fully trained. So that's another thing I go on about, highly trained, fully trained plastic surgeon. I've written a book about it, actually, Danny, since you ask. Um, yeah, I have written a book, yeah. Just here. Okay. Kim will be happy plugging the book. Um, never accept a lift from strangers. How to choose the best plastic surgeon for your cosmetic breast surgery. Available in all good bookshops. Actually, it's not available in bookshops. It's available on Amazon, though or from my website or from my clinic, come and we'll give you a copy. If you order one from the website, never accept a lift from strangers.com, we'll, we'll send you one free, you the book's free, but you pay postage, which I have reason to believe is 3.95, I think it is. I keep on seeing 3.95 in my bank account. I think that's, um, that's the book sales, <laughs> uh, bolstering up the, yeah, revenue streams. That's what it's about, multiple revenue streams. Um, so, yeah, in answer to your question, Danny, I am doing surgery. Yes, is this is the short answer to that one? Yeah, that's probably yeah. Um, JJ did my tummy tuck eleven weeks ago. There you go. That proves I'm doing surgery because I did my private journeys tummy tuck eleven weeks ago. So I was doing surgery eleven weeks ago, and I did some surgery yesterday. Was it yesterday? Recently, anyway. Um, you're welcome, Danny. Yes, thank you for asking the question uh looking better hello new you with a beard yep new you new <laughs> new beard well it's not a similar beard to the old one but i got it back again yeah i got it back a few weeks ago thanks for noticing kelly very kind of you uh sadiq says good night from indonesia 
good night, Sidiq, and uh, multinational audience here. So thank you, Sidiq. Nice to see you. Sarah, let's just leave that on the um, on the Facebook. Sorry, you can't see this Instagram. Best customer service ever, says Sarah. I've got to be honest, Sarah, I do work hard at the customer service, and I do think it's important. Customer service, aftercare, looking after people, that's the thing that I focus on and I work hard to, uh, to, to do. So that's very kind to hear that, and uh, that very, very, very very good patient too and my private journey agrees thank you for that yeah both of you very good patients see helps patient selection very important hannah dudley would you do a tummy tuck and inner thigh lift together well two parts to that question hannah uh fun first part of that is would you do it together normally and the second part to that is would you two do it together at the moment and um so normally, yes, yes, a tummy tuck and inner thigh lift would be reasonable to do together. Both pretty big operations, but, you know, it's not an unreasonable combination. They're in the same area, which helps in terms of draping and prepping, because you've got to think if you're prepped and draped having surgery, if you're having your sort of thighs and your arms done, it can be a bit of a problem because you can be exposed and get cold and things like that. So that's that's an issue. So it's quite nice that they're in, you know, they're in the same area. They're sort of next to each other, the tummy and the thighs. So, um, so yeah, under normal circumstances, it will be a it will be a an acceptable combination for um, for for surgery. However, we're not in normal circumstances, Hannah. And at the moment, I think particularly at the moment with this lockdown, it was probably going to be a no because it is one of those ones which is a bigger operation. Uh, increased risk of complications, increased risk of, as I say, there's some evidence to say that if you have surgery and have COVID afterwards, you're going to get a worse outcome. And that might be worse for the bigger operations. We're trying to shy away from the bigger operations. Also, any risk that you might get ill or need any help from the NHS is, is not going to be good. So we're trying to not do surgeries where you might, um, you know, have more complications. So I would say at the moment, it would probably slash definitely be a no at this present time so you've got two options hannah you either stage it so you have one and then the other or you wait because if the vaccine gets rolled out well not if, if you know if the vaccine starts having an effect and things start becoming more relaxed then we might be doing bigger operations again because as i say under normal circumstances it would be fine to do those two things together um Thank you. Some clinics say they do. Others say it's dangerous to do it together. Is that true? Thank you. So I wouldn't say it's dangerous to do them together, but I would say it's increasing your risk of complications. It will knock you back a lot. A tummy tuck's a big deal. Then you have both thighs. You know, it is a big deal. Um, and you've got increased risk of complications, no doubt about that. I think dangerous is a bit of an inflammatory term, but certainly I would say increased risk of complications and it's going to you know, knock you back having a longer operation and having tummy and thighs and all that sort of stuff. But sometimes people want it because they want one's period off work, etc. Uh, Nicholas Swain, unless you're talking about at the moment with COVID, you might be saying it's dangerous because of the COVID. Um, I'm a prison custody officer, so my job is quite physical. How long should I have off work after a tummy tuck? Well, if you can't, if you can't not do physical stuff. So, um, Three weeks, I would say, for sort of, you know, to be sure for driving and doing non-physical stuff, so desk work and things like that. 
So if you could do desk work, light duties, phase return, whatever, then I often say after three weeks, you can start getting into that sort of stuff. Um, but nothing physical for about six weeks, I would say, before you start doing physical stuff. So the question is whether you can do anything, uh, you know, you're able to do to do anything in your job in a, in a non-physical way. So what I often do is I give a, um, in a non-physical way, I often give a, uh, um sick note and i'll say three weeks off three weeks light duties or phase, phase return and it's up to your employer to see whether they can give you light duties and if they can't give you light duties you might have to be off um but because uh, you don't really want to be too physical in the first i would say six weeks after a tummy tuck is going to be pretty uncomfortable um what's going off jj to my time 11 weeks ago yes I agree. Best belly buttons too. It says says we've got, a, we've got an endorsement for the belly buttons there. Thank you on Instagram. Um, UC Bio Doll wants to wants to join your video. I th I'm going to assume that is a mistake, UC Bio Doll, because usually in my experience people do that. Go live. I can go live. It's a mistake, and I just end up in your living room, and it's going to be awkward for all concerned. So I'm going to ignore it. I'm going to. I don't know if Instagram people can see when people have requested or not. Um, thank you. Hannah says, Tracy Windler. Is that tagging someone? Have you just tagged Tracy Windler? Is that what that is? Not up to it, up to speed with the Facebook thing. But anyway, um, it's fine. So I'm assuming you don't want to be live with me. But um Right, we've got a question here, guys. Is Kenalog cream good for keloids? No. Ooh, no. Um, well, full disclosure, I didn't know they did Kenalog cream. Kenalog cream. Kenalog, I thought, was the injection, but maybe they make it in the cream as well. Uh, but basically, Kenalog is a steroid. Um, quite a strong steroid and steroid is good for keloid but not topically not as a cream i wouldn't put steroid on the skin for for keloid that's not going to help a keloid scar so what you have to do for a keloid scar is you have to inject keloid uh, inject steroid into the scar i usually use triamcinolone rather than kenalog kenalog's a slightly stronger version of uh, steroid than triamcinolone don't want to get into the nuances of it all um, sorry, not triamcinolone, adcortil it's called, which is 10 milligrams per mil as opposed to Kenalog, which I believe is 50 milligrams per mil, I think. But anyway, um, nevertheless, they're both steroid uh, and, and you have to inject the steroid into the scar. So there's no good just putting steroid on a, on a keloid scar. If anything, it could do some harm. It could thin the skin uh, and it's not going to do any good. The evidence for steroid is in a, uh, an injection into the scar so you have to get a doctor to help you with that that will have to be a doctor will have to do that for you so don't uh, steroid cream on the scar is not going to be he's not going to cut it kelly i'd love to see your tummy tuck work kelly you can you can see it do you know what it's really hard to um, I've got a list. You know what it's like. I've got a list of things to do. I need to sort out the website and make it a little bit easier. We looked at it. Well, again, I was going to say last year, but it's not because I you know, last year was a 
Oh, I can't, I can't get on my website. Okay, so is the internet really bad? Am I really still got one dot on my? Oh no, I'm on. Um, I'll, I'll send a link, uh, um, Kelly, for for some photos. It's about halfway down the page. It says view examples of our work. That's my fancy way of saying look at before and after photos. I think I probably would have been better just saying look at before and after photos because a lot of people say, oh, there's no there's no photos on the website. I'm like, oh, actually, you can go to the page, the normal page. But um, oh, it's age restricted. God. It's amazing when you start looking at your own website. I'll put the link in now because that's the kind of guy I am. Just live type something. You didn't actually put any, I just put that there. Have I put the link in? Oh, yes, I have. There's some photos of tummy tucks there. Um, hold on a minute. I'd love to see your tummy tuck work. Hannah Dudley, hand up. Is that another tag? Are we getting tagged? We're tagging people, guys. Yeah, let's get tagging. That's how we influencers grow. You guys tagging, isn't it? Tag. Please comment and share and tag. Nice. Hannah, what would make you advise a patient to have an FDL tummy tuck rather than a tummy tuck? Would one give different results to the other? Yes, they would, Hannah. They give different results in that an FDL, an FDL tummy tuck, um, which is flirtily, for those of you who don't know, is more scarring bigger operation more risk of complications but more skin is removed a normal tummy tuck you take in the lips out from the belly button to the pubic area then it pieces to the side and you take and you and you, you you tighten the skin in an up down direction a fleur de lis you take in the lips out that way but also a lip size to side so you tighten the waist you bring the waist in as well so it does give more skin removal and it does give more skin tightening but there are more risks because you have a t-junction you have an inverted t-shaped scar and also, uh, it's unsightly. The scar goes straight up the middle of your abdomen, which is unsightly. I don't particularly like the scar, but it does take away more skin. So an FDL, a fleur de is really for people with a lot of skin. So it's people who have had massive weight loss who need more than a tummy tuck, which could therefore be an FDL, a fleur de or a circumferential 360. Both of these give more skin removal, but more scarring, more risks. Um, and so, yeah, more of a result, but more more risks and more scarring. So, yeah, good question, Hannah. Thank you. Uh, what Also, what do you advise for the incisions after surgery? I normally leave it about six weeks, Kelly, and then after about six weeks, I'll get you massaging them. I'll get you massaging them with cream. doesn't really matter what cream. We sell some stuff on the website. I can't remember what it's called, but to be honest with you, it doesn't really matter what cream you use. If you have a normal moisturiser cream, uh, Nivea, E45, aloe vera, aqueous cream, whatever, then just massaging it with cream. As I say, leave it about six weeks to get it settled and then get massaging it with cream, a bit of pressure on the scar, blanch the scar. The scar's a bit red, it's often a bit red and firm, especially around the belly button, it can be a bit tight. A bit of blanching, a bit of pressure um, just to, uh, to uh, help to soften it and settle it. There are some creams like silicone-based creams and ointments, which are quite expensive. Uh, which are marketed as scar reduction creams, I don't normally recommend them unless you have a lumpy scar. If you have a lumpy red scar, like we're talking about, minigo, keloid scars, different kettle of fish, 
there are things you can use for that, like the steroid and like the uh, silicone. But for normal scars, it's very rare to get keloid scars in that area. For normal people, they just get red, raised. Not that people who get bad scars aren't normal people, but for most people, should I say, they just get slightly red, raised, firm scars, which you need to massage and moisturize. And for me, it's more the massage than the actual cream that you use. Um, what is kicking off? God, Instagram's kicking off. My private journey. Follow me on Instagram. I'm documenting my surgery recovery. All is good. Is that for me? Am I supposed to follow you on Instagram or is that for the people, for the for the um, other people? Hey, guys, follow my private journey on Instagram for the journey of uh, surgery because it's all good so far. Uh, is a tummy tuck, lipo and breast lift with no implants safe to do it at once? What BMI is needed for that? Right, UC Bio doll. Um, BMI, two things about BMI. One is the absolute number of the BMI and the other is the... Uh, what you think about your weight. So the absolute number, if you want an absolute number, it's 30. Ideally, BMI below 30, you're gonna reduce your risk of complications compared to a BMI above 30. Now there's nothing magical happens at 30, but that's where they've done the studies. They've usually looked around a BMI of 30. So ideally you need to get it below 30, but you need to be happy and stable with your weight. So even if your BMI is below 30, if you're not happy, if you wanna lose weight, it's always best to do it before surgery. You don't wanna have weight fluctuations after surgery because that can affect the result. Similarly, if your weight's above 30 and you're happy and stable with it, particularly for people who've lost a lot of weight, some people have lost a lot of weight, but they still got to be in my higher than 30, you could potentially still have surgery, but you'd be a higher risk, a bit more difficult around this time. And the same with your, butt, your question, tummy tuck, lipo and breast lift with no implant. It's borderline, and I would say it'd be a case-by-case -case basis whether that would be done at the moment because we're trying to not do bigger operations, and that's pretty big, to be honest with you. Uh, tummy tuck with lipo and a breast lift, that's up there. So it's borderline. I wouldn't hold your breath for getting that done. I would say that would be a case-by-case -case basis. And I think UC Biodol has, has actually tagged people, have you? Which is great. Thank you very much. Anyone, it's for anyone, my private journey. Anyone, it's not just for me. Um... Tracy Finch, I'm so pleased with my TT. Looking good, 10 weeks post-op. That's the sort of, that's the sort of, and honestly, that's a real person, okay? That is not, <laughs> it's not me. I haven't just typed it. That is a real bona fide human being. Look at that. That's what we need. Thanks, Tracy. Very good of you to comment and to say that, and I'm very pleased that things are good so far. 10 weeks is early days, so your scars are probably red, so get massaging them, and, and they do take a few months for everything to probably settle, but that's good news. And my private journey, also your, what did you say, 10, 11 weeks, so that's, you know, still early days, but good news. Good to have a bit of um, positivity there. Thank you for that. Do you know if you were to have a tummy tuck with the NHS, would they also do a mons lift? Um, regardless of the NHS, I think... Um, first thing I say is it's difficult to get this sort of surgery on the NHS. Um, but if you can get this sort of surgery on the NHS, then I would say as a surgeon, you would try and do your good, as good a job as you possibly can, whether you're doing it on the NHS or privately. So I wouldn't try and do not as good a job if I was doing it on the NHS. Um, uh, you're limited to how much of a mons lift you can do at the time of a tummy tuck because you don't want to try and lift the mons too much because if you lift the mons too much, the scar will drift up. And you'll end up with a scar goes hip to hip and then it goes up in the middle and doesn't look good so you don't really want to dissect down south too much to do your mons lift 
um, while you're doing a tummy tuck. So you are limited. So if you have got a very prominent mons and you do need a mons lift, you this is my in my hands and my experience. You could do something for the mons and you could try and address the mons, but you can't do too much to the mons, NHS or private. And as I said, if they've agreed to do something on the NHS, I would hope that they would make it as good as they can and, and do everything that they possibly can. Uh, that's what I would do, even in the NHS. So I don't think that should make a difference. But I think you'll struggle to get it on the NHS, to be honest, in this day and age. But, you know, Tracy says I'm definitely real. But Tracy, I would have written that if I was if I was you. But anyway, she is definitely real. I haven't typed anything. I haven't got a team next door. All right. But that is an idea. Team of, you know, he is a very good surgeon and he did my surgery. Go to him. That's good. No, thanks, Tracy. I know you're real. Good. Keep it real, girl. Keep it real. Uh, that's good to know. Yes. Good luck, good luck with that, Kelly. If you are getting on the NHS, that is good, good, good to know. Um, right. What's going on? Instagram is kicking Instagram. Look at that. Um, UC Bio Doll. UC Bio Doll. Do you need lymphatic massages after tummy tuck? When is it safe to start? I don't routinely offer a lymphatic massage after tummy tuck. So uh, I don't think you need it. If I thought you needed it, I would offer it. Uh, when it's safe to start, <coughs> I would say about six weeks before you start doing those things. You want to be properly healed, properly knitted together. Um, but you probably want to speak to the person doing the lymphatic massage. But I would say about six weeks. Uh, and certainly do no harm. Um, well, as long as you don't do it too soon. Sabotage. Do you remove the nipple with breast lift stroke reduction? Good question, sabotage. A lot of people think you remove the nipple. No is a simple answer. Um, there is a technique of breast reduction for massive breast reductions where you literally remove the nipple and then you put it back on again. <coughs> Excuse me. It's called a free nipple graft. In my practice, it's very rare and it's really for people with very large breasts. The vast majority slash all, pretty much all other patients will have the nipple kept on what's called a pedicle, which means you um, cut around the nipple and you remove all the skin around it and then you remove some skin remove some uh, breast tissue if you're doing a reduction just skin if you're doing a, a lift and you um, mobilize the breast and bring it up and you just keep the nipple attached on a stalk of tissue and then you bring it up to the higher place when you're doing the lift so you don't actually remove the nipple you just sort of release it and, and, and bring it up and you keep it attached on what's called a pedicle hard to explain i don't know if i've got any have I got videos of a breast reduction sure i feel like i have on youtube probably got a video of a breast reduction with a sort of where you can see the pedicle move i'm not sure if i have but i should get one if i haven't uh you see biodoll's back good to see you back uh what's happening over on facebook kelly i'm i'm actually on the waiting list oh well, there you go so much for me saying you can't get it on the nhs um it will be two years or so before i even get an answer also my weight has maintained then hopefully they will say yes well that's good kelly so excellent kelly well done you're on the waiting list so that's good news and let's keep everything crossed for that um is there a link between covid19 vaccine side effects and breast implants uh where's that question um here we go. I've been offered um, the vaccine as I'm a carer. I've heard there's a link between those that have breast implants and side effects from the vaccine. Could you advise me as to whether I should have the vaccine or not? 
I can't advise you on that. And I think the person doing the vaccine really is the best person for that. I know there are risks if, I mean, I'm not an expert. I've got to say that early on. I am not an expert on this. So, you know, take take it, uh, you know, take it or leave it, this advice. But I know that there are some risks with the vaccine in terms of anaphylaxis. So if you've ever had an anaphylaxis, uh, if you've ever had a significant event or a, a side effect from having an injection, um, then you've got to be careful having this one. Um, but I don't think I don't think there's any problems with implants, having breast implants, or a link between those that have breast implants and side effects of the vaccine. No, no, I don't think so. And obviously, you've got to temper any side effects of the vaccine. Obviously, if you've got a high risk of getting a side effect, you've got to think about it. But you've got to temper that against the benefit of having the vaccine. Uh, and certainly, I don't think breast implants is a problem. If you've got breast implants or are thinking of having breast implants, there's no problem with having the vaccine. You would be able to go ahead with it. Tell the vaccine deliverer that you have breast implants in uh, to see if they say that's a contraindication. But I'm not aware of anyone who's had that as a contraindication. And I don't think it is one. But you best to, to check. Um, are you getting the vaccine, JJ? Funny, funny you should ask that. I just got a thing to book it uh, today. Uh, I will. Yes, I will. I haven't got it yet. Uh, I've got to find a time to do it. But yes, I will. I will be getting it at some point. So, uh, yep, I think it's going to hopefully help. And I think the benefits outweigh the risks. So, yeah, yeah, go for it. Um, I have a water sport holiday booked for September. Can I consider breast reduction surgery before or shall I wait until after my holiday? September, what are we now? January. Well, September's quite a long way away, isn't it? Um, eight months. I would say it depends on when you are thinking of um, having the surgery. So it's potentially doable before. Um, you probably want to give it a few months to get it all healed up. But as a general rule, when people ask this sort of question, the, when people ask this sort of question, the timescales are usually shorter. So September, I guess it would be reasonable if you could get the ball rolling and if you could get a surgery date relatively soon or at least in the next few months or couple of months, then I think it probably would be fine. But in as general terms, when people ask these sorts of questions, my gut feeling is that if you have got something booked for September, what if perish the thought you could never guarantee that you could might have some wound healing problems, might have some asymmetries, some dog ears, some issues, some bumps, some lumps, some pain, some discomfort, whatever. Don't put yourself under pressure. So I normally say to people, look, why don't you just have it in October? You know, once you've had your holiday, great, have a great time in your holiday. And don't put yourself in a position where you've got, you know, maybe potentially a bit of tenderness, a bit of scar that's uncomfortable or something. Um, so in general terms, when people ask these questions, oh, my gut feeling is just to do the thing, you know, whatever it is, and then have the surgery afterwards. But yeah, um, say if you left it uh, three or four months, three or four months before September, when's that? I don't know. Anyway, it's not yet, is it? You've got a few months before, you've got a few months before you're a few months before September, if you can follow that stream. Uh, yeah. So if you can leave it, if you've got three or four months to heal, then I think you'd be all right. So I would maybe start asking the questions, see when you can get seen, see when you can get some potential dates, and then work it out from there. If you can't get a date, you know, in, in that time scale, then maybe have it afterwards. But if you can, then yeah, maybe. 
Um, what's going on? What's going on? UC Bardol, how do you get a high hemoglobin before surgery? What number do you refer? How do you get a high hemoglobin? Um, oh, I don't know what you're saying there, UC Biodol. Um, I mean, you, the main thing with a hemoglobin is you want to just see what your baseline is, what your hemoglobin is now. So I wouldn't try and get a high hemoglobin for surgery. I'd just see what it is now. I mean, if your hemoglobin is low, then you've got to think, why is it low? Um, and is there a problem with, you know, bleeding or dilution or what's the issue? And you might need to be investigated. Um, and there are things to get it up again, like, you know, blood, for instance. That's a bit, maybe a bit extreme or, or iron, um, assuming it's an iron deficiency anemia. But yeah, but I think the, face, the first thing is to look at the baseline. And uh, if it is low, look at why it's low to see if there's a cause for it to be low and then to treat that cause. Uh, and then to get it up, you would do things like, as I said, blood transfusion will get it up straight away or uh, iron tablets, or you might be functioning quite well with a hemoglobin as whatever it is. You know, there is a range of, of normal numbers. But yeah, if your hemoglobin is low, then you need to get it checked out. And if you are being investigated or treated for a low hemoglobin, we would talk to the person who is treating you for that in terms of timing for surgery. Um, can you do an implant replacement and lift without the lollipop scar? Yes, you can. So uh, it's Bex. It can be done. I wouldn't do it. I don't do a lift without the um, vertical scar. I You can do a lift with just a circumareolar scar, uh, with just a scar around the areola, but I it's called a Benelli lift, and I don't think it gives a very good lift um, personally, so I don't really do it. I would always do either the lollipop or the T, even putting one in the fold, to give more scarring but more of a lift. I understand why people don't want that scarring because they don't want any visible scarring, and if you just have a scar around the areola, it's going to be less visible. But I don't like that lift. The scar's puckered and flattens the breast, doesn't give projection. So I don't like it personally, but it can be done Bex it can be done how long does a breast lift with no implant last well what it does you uh, see by Odol is it sets you back to a better place so it's important to stress that it doesn't lock you in and the fact that you've asked the question means that you it implies you know that it doesn't lock you in it doesn't mean they're going to stay there forever um, it, it gets you back to a better place but over time they do stroop again um, stroop droop again depends on how big they are so the bigger they are the more they're going to droop so if you make them smaller that would make that give you a more long lasting result and the other things are if you put on weight and lose weight that will make them droop quicker and if you have a break if you become pregnant that will make them bigger and smaller and stretch the skin and make them droop um so those things will make them droop quick quicker um but they will naturally age and droop over time as they would if you hadn't had the lift but it just sets you back to a better place. So I don't normally say, oh, it lasts 10 years and then you need it done again. You know, you never need it done again, but over time it will droop and it will droop more quickly, as I say, given the above things. So I hope that doesn't feel like a cop out, but you know, it's hard to say. What's this one here? Go live with, oh my God, I've got loads of people. Farah man. I'm assuming it's all like, mistakes um when would you use dissolvable sutures over ones you have to take out i did this question um on a facebook live in the past and i and i cut it up and i put it on 
YouTube uh, called When Would You Use Dissolvable Sutures or something. And I got quite a lot of um, comments saying that I didn't answer the question and it was all a load of rubbish, um, basically. And it's tricky to answer the question. That's why this stuff is tricky. It's, you can't just say you use dissolvable sutures then and you use taking out ones then. Um, I mean, broadly speaking, when you're putting st stitches underneath the skin, you use dissolvable sutures. And when, uh, so dissolvable sutures, you usually can't see. They're dissolvable sutures that are underneath the skin that take the tension off the wound. When you have to, so you use them a lot underneath the skin. There are some situations where you might use a permanent suture underneath the skin if you want it to be really strong for a really long time, like for instance, a tendon repair. If you're repairing tendons, um, then, then you do use a permanent suture to that tendon because you really don't want it to dissolve. You want it to give the strength the whole time. So broadly speaking, stitches underneath the skin are dissolvable. Now, when you have a skin wound and you're closing the skin itself, so you'd, you'd often put some dissolvable sutures underneath the skin. And then when you have that last layer to put in the skin, you can choose to wear use a dissolvable or a permanent suture. The benefits of a dissolvable suture, obviously, that you don't have to come back and have your stitches removed. The downside is that if you put normal stitches in, you get those stitch marks, those dots, if you don't, if you, if you have a use a dissolvable suture, because it might take a while to dissolve. So what you tend to do is you put it underneath the skin, you bury it underneath the skin, what's called a subcuticular suture. So you bury it underneath the skin. Now you often can't get quite as good alignment with the eversion. You need to evert the wound. That's what you do when you're closing a wound, get the wound edges like that. It's a bit more difficult to do that with a subcuticular. So if, if you really want to get the best possible scar and evert the wound and line up every stitch accurately, you're much better off doing an interrupted suture with a non-dissolving suture. But that has to be removed. And if you leave it in too long, it can give stitch marks. So you want to remove it relatively quickly. So the only place, not the only place, but the common place we tend to use that is on the face because the face heals really quickly. So you can take those stitches out in five to seven days and we want a better scar. So we usually use we usually use non-dissolvable sutures in the face to stitch up the face because we want to get that really nicely everted, best possible scar. And we know we can take those stitches out in five to seven days. On the trunk, on the body, you 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 need the stitch in for longer. So you would be more likely to use a subcuticular stitch. If it's a very small incision, it's very hard to use a subcuticular, so you might use an interrupted. And if you did want a bit of strength there and you weren't so worried about the um, cosmetic outcome, you might use interrupted sutures like a leg or the back. If you're worried the wound's going to open up, those interrupted sutures with the ones with the stitch marks are stronger. So you might put those in and maybe leave them in for a couple of weeks um, and maybe accept that you might get some stitch marks, but you're doing it for strength and to bring it together. So broadly speaking, uh, non-dissolvable sutures on the face, because we know we can take them out five to seven days, dissolvable sutures on the trunk, um, broadly speaking. If you want extra strength, you could use a non-dissolvable suture on the trunk, like for instance, the back or the leg. And the other thing is, if you're having an infected wound, if you have trauma or something like that, and there's risk of infection, you really want to have a non-dissolvable suture that you can take out in case you get any infection in the, skit, in, in the stitch. And so you probably would use a... Um, uh, a non-dissolvable suture if there was any risk of infection or if there's a dirty wound with trauma and things you'd put um, non-dissolvable sutures in because if there's some localized infection you could just take those ones out i don't know if that was a good answer or not i really don't it's a difficult question that's all i'm going to say that is a difficult question is it safe to wear a farger with ab boards 
right after Tommy Tuck and Lipo to wear a Farja with you see Biodoll what's a Farja with ab boards sorry I don't know what a Farja with ab boards is right after I mean we give a binder we usually will give you a binder we, we give you one I don't know what a Farja with ab board is um Vilma Santos, long time no see, Vilma. I've seen some surgeries of tummy tuck and 360 4D liposuction was removing a large amount of fat. What would be the maximum safe amount of fat to remove at one time, in your opinion? Um, I don't do high volume liposuction, Vilma. Uh, I think anything over five liters is a lot. And I tend not to go. I don't even go there. Uh, I would. My normal fat removal is usually one to two liters. Uh, I think three liters plus is a lot, and I think five liters plus is 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 pushing it a bit. In my practice, some people do large volumes. You know, some people do do a lot more than that. But uh, that's where I would be, Velma. Um, I'm normally a one to two liter guy, um, and anything more than three liters would be a, would be a significantly big one for me. Um, you've got to be careful with removing too much liposuction but if you're experienced in it and you do a lot of high volume liposuction um you know you often have to be admitted overnight because you worry about fluid shifts and things and you have to be keeping keep kept an eye on them then you know you can remove higher volumes safely but you need to be someone who's doing it a lot and that's i don't do it a lot so i wouldn't be doing huge volumes it's a compression garment is it okay a far a far gel without boards uh I tell you what, um, UC Biodol, I would refer that back to your surgeon. Uh, if your surgeon's me, I would say to you, look, we'll give you a compression garment. And if you want to bring your Farja without boards in, I'll have a look at it. But um, yeah, I'd refer that to your surgeon. That's what I do. Is there a chance my cyst will grow back after excision? Yes, there is. That is a risk with cysts. And one of the things you've got to do with cysts is you've got to get the whole cyst wall out. That is why we have to make an incision the same size of the cyst. It's better to, if you can get the whole cyst wall out, then uh, it's it's gone and you won't come back. If you leave any of the cyst wall behind, it can come back. That's why if you have a cyst and it gets infected and it bursts, you might think happy days, it's gone. But often it's just the, the contents are gone. If the wall remains, it will fill up again. So um, so it is a risk with cyst excision. So we very carefully make sure all of that wall is removed when we're doing the excision. What does a see and treat appointment include? Do, you, do I need to book a consultation prior to the surgery? Yes, you do. Um, well, actually, well, see and treat. Okay, see and treat is something that we do because we have a got a we have a got a we have a got the operating room in the clinic. So I've got a clinic in Edgebaston, and there's an operating room upstairs. Now, the difference between the hospitals where they have theatres, you have to book theatres, and the theatres are all booked up, and you have to book them all. So normally what happens is you go with your mole or your cyst or something like that and they say, yeah, we'll remove it for you. When do you want to have it done? We'll book you in and you come back and you have it done. But because I've got my own operating theatre and because, we, are, you know, we only have one clinic at a time, we only have one person in the clinic at a time, the operating theatre is available. It's not being used by other people. So therefore we can have this see and treat situation where we say to you, look, you can come, you can book in, we'll book in for a longer appointment there's no problem if you don't want to have it done, but if you do want to have it done, there's the option to go 
if you've got a mole, if you've got a cyst, if you've got a thing that's annoying you and you know you want to have it done pretty much, then you can book a see and treat appointment. Come and have a chat with us. As I say, if you change your mind, that's fine. Then charge, we'll give you any deposit back. But um, if you want to, we, we can go ahead and do the do the thing, whatever it is, the, you know, mole, cyst or whatever on the day. So you don't need to book a consultation prior to the surgery in those circumstances. For bigger surgery like tummy tucks and breast lifts, you do need to book a consultation prior to the surgery. So it's really for smaller operations for the mole cysts, the things we can do in the clinic, areola reductions, inverted nipple repairs, split earlobe repairs, um, removing tattoos, things like that. We offer see and treat appointments because I think it's good service. If you've got a mole, you know, you want it removed to come and say, look, there it is. Can you remove it? And you say, yeah, I can remove it. Come back in three weeks and have it removed. You're like, well, I want to have it done now. So that's why we do it. And speaking of mole removal, how long after mole removal does it take to fully heal? Uh, it depends on what you mean by fully heal. So skin will be healed in about five days, depending on the body. As I say, the uh, part of the body face tends to heal really well. And usually mole removal you know, or on the face, because that's where most people are bothered by them. Uh, on the body, a bit less, one to two weeks on the body. Um, but usually skin healed after uh, five days. So say one to two weeks, the skin will be healed. Now, um, that's just the top layer of the skin. Underneath, it does take a while for it to get properly healed. Oh, Farah Man wants to join. I think, I would assume that's an error. Um, so the, the 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 strength of the skin does take a good couple of months for the strength of the skin to get there. So whilst the skin will be healed in a week and it'll look okay and you can wash, you can shower, well, you can wash and shower straight away, to be honest with you, but you can sort of, you know, get it wet and things like that. In terms of strength of the wound, it's going to be a couple of months. So I normally don't get you massaging the scar until about six weeks, but it's going to probably be two or three months. Uh, yeah, two or three months before you got strength in that wound and you could start really putting tension on it if you did do stuff like, I don't know, contact sports and things like that. Now, um, in terms of the cosmetic outcome of the scar, it can take six or 12 months for that scar to really properly fade. Sometimes you get numbness around the area and all these sorts of things. So it can take a while for it to really properly settle. But um, so, you know, it's a, it's a week for the, week to two weeks for the skin to heal, couple of months for the scar to really start to fade, 6, 12, 18 months for the scar to properly fade and any numbness and, and what have you and, and contour irregularities to settle. So, it, you know, it, so, you know, fully heal is, is a week or two, but fully settle is, you know, a year or more. Lucy Bioldoll, you're back. I don't know when you leave, Lucy Bioldoll. So I just keep on getting I'm back. So, but it's good to have you back. And thanks for coming back. I am out of questions here on the 12th of January, 2021. Um, hope January is treating you all well. And, you know, good God, let's hope this vaccine does the trick and it brings the pressure off and we can start, you know, going to the shops and stuff like that, getting our lives back. Um, so yeah, if you have any questions, please do ask me, message me, um, get in touch because you know what? I'm going to be here next Tuesday. What time? Seven o'clock, of course, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube as well. I don't think you can interact on YouTube. Can you interact on YouTube? I don't know if you can. Anyway, it's on YouTube as well. And, um, 
7 p.m. See you there. Thanks for coming. Thanks for giving up your night. What time is it? 7.57, nearly 8 o'clock. Time to watch the second Antiques Road track Trip. Uh, Channel 17, really. I'm going to get myself there. I suggest you do likewise. Jackie Crime says, say safe. UC Biodoll asks a question. Why don't you do installments plan? UC Biodoll, we do do installments plans. Um, well, we sort of do installments plans. We do installments plans for... Um, major surgery with the hospitals the hospitals you do 0% finance would that be called an installment plan 0% finance they do 0% finance for a year in terms of sort of finance uh we don't do it at the clinic and i'll tell you why you see biodol since you've asked the question the reason we don't do finance at the clinic i looked into it and to be honest with you the the, the high street you know the banks and you know what have you are giving really good um lending money on a really good rate that we can't really match so there's not really much point because you can go on the high street and get a loan better than what we could do and so uh that's why we don't do it but for the bigger ops like the tummy tucks and the breast reductions and stuff like that then there is no percent finance through the hospitals but uh, for the smaller ops that are done at the clinic yeah we don't do it because it's just not not worthwhile for us but good last minute question you see well i'll respect you for that um velma says thank you thank you velma uc biodol says thank you my private journey jane thorne all still here after all this time come on guys if you've not got something better to do god bless come on get yourself out there see you you know when you know where take it easy and stay home protect the nhs and you know don't contact anybody um probably said that wrong but you know what i'm saying you know what i'm saying you know the the, the sentiments there and yeah i'm staying home as much as i can as i am now and just you do likewise i'm going to check out before the rambling gets any worse and so you'll follow me on my journey we'll follow you you see by odol you follow me i'll follow you let's follow each other on our journey peace out a question not covered in today's show then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag ask jj we'd love to hear from you